In our breakout and best-selling book, Looking for Angels, A Guide to Understanding and Connecting with Angels, Dr. Scott Guerin and I share how you can communicate with angels, understand signs from the universe and these celestial beings, feel at peace knowing you are always connected to source, and much more. Get your copy today at lookingforangelsbook.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your local bookstore. And now you can even get the audio version narrated by me and Scott through Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. You are listening to A Psychic Story, a podcast that shares behind-the-scenes insights of people who lead supernatural lives among the ordinary. And I'm your host, Nicole Bigley. Join me every other Wednesday as I dispel the myths behind magic and lore. Welcome to A Psychic Story. First, I can't believe to thank everyone enough for listening to and following the journey of a psychic story. What started out as a way to help bring awareness to others about the various healing and spiritual modalities has quickly grown and gained traction, even amongst some of the biggest naysayers. So thank you, thank you. For this episode of A Psychic Story, we have the honor of hearing from Kim Russo, a highly sought-after medium who has been communicating with spirits for nearly two decades. Fluent in the language of the spirit world, Kim has helped people confront the fears that haunt them most and embrace the truths that bring increased light, love, and understanding into our lives. She shares with us how love, opening our hearts, and being in faith can move mountains. So for this episode of A Psychic Story, we are extremely blessed to be speaking with Kim Russo. Some of you may know her as The Happy Medium or recognize her voice from the hit TV show, The Haunting Of. Hello, Kim. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? Oh, hi. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, especially now that we're that I'm talking with you. <laughs> Thank you again for being on. I thought that it would be good for us to start first in your book, The Happy Medium, Life Lessons from the Other Side. You talk about when you realized you had abilities in your childhood, but for those who haven't read your book... Do you mind sharing your story and experience with us? Oh, no, not at all. In the book, The Happy Meeting, I speak about uh, what what my roadblocks. I always had this gift from when I was a little child. Uh, starting, on, I would definitely go back to, in the book, I speak it as uh, nine years old. But interestingly enough, when I backtrack it and I spoke to my mother about how long these happenings were going on when I was a child, I trace it back all the way to about five. I was about five. And um, I think something opened up in my auric field when I accidentally, with my curious nature, put a pin into the electrical socket. It was during Christmas time and I I was underneath my Christmas tree and I and there was a pin on the floor, a safety pin. And my curiosity just got the best of me. And I said, wow, I wonder what would happen if I put this into the electrical socket. And I shot across the room. My whole right arm became charred. My mother rushed me to the hospital. Uh, and at the time, they wrapped my arm with this 
lotion, which I think they still use today, called Silver Dean. And the doctor told my mom that I would probably have scarring. It looked pretty nasty, but there would be no way for him to tell until the bandages were taken off. I don't have one scar. You would never know this happened to me. So fast forward, I was always a very, I don't want to say religious, but definitely spiritual child. When I would get in trouble and, you know, get sent to my bedroom for punishment, I would feel, I went to Catholic school too, by the way, Mm -hmm. but I would feel the Blessed Mother and Jesus, whom in school I learned a great deal about, I would feel them surrounding me with a bunch of angels. And I would, like you would tell your friends all of your, you know, complaints or problems. And I was always, you know, angry when I would get Oh, but I don't even know what I would get in trouble for. I don't remember that far back. But when I would get sent to my room, I I would remember distinctly laying on my bed, crying and telling Jesus and Mary that it's just not fair. And it's not fair and it's not fair. And I would feel them consoling me and making me feel like it's okay. So I always had these invisible entities that I label. And I'm not sure now if I label them because... I went to Catholic school and that's what I learned. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there were other types of entities, just knowing what I know now as an adult. But I definitely depict them as Jesus and Mary. So that always made me feel much more comfortable. And then fast forward, I would have these nightly visits at the foot of my bed. Because I think when I was electrocuted, something in my auric field opened up. And I was able to connect directly to the heavenly realms and or even just other realms like 3d four-dimensional where a lot of the souls don't really go into the light mm-hmm. and there was this group of souls that would stand at the foot of my bed every night and it was always as, as it would get dark out there was a street lamp that came and was shining into the window of my bedroom that i shared with my sister and the the street light would always shine on these and making them that much more prevalent and noticeable. And they would always stand on my side of the bed, at the foot of the bed. They looked depressed and um, they didn't really ever have any kind of expression in their own. So they never smiled and I never really knew who they were, what they, they wanted. But every night was Kara going to sleep, Kara. And my sister never saw what I saw. So that was really, really upsetting to me. So I just really thought that I was imagining these things, although I knew I wasn't. But then there was no logical explanation. No one else saw what I saw. So I grew up with this terrifying uh, nightly encounter. And then, believe it or not, in my early teens, it went went away. When I started to date and having a social life, as little teens do, it started to get less and less. We moved out of that house, and that group came with me. They appeared at the bed of my new house. And then I started to notice a new group of people. But then, like I said, as, as I got older, these entities started to diminish, and I was able to sleep normal, like a normal person, never thinking about this again until later on after I had all of my three children. Then the spirit world came back with a vengeance. They wanted me to know that, you know, we're back. So when I look back, I can only really determine one thing. They wanted me to have my children and live a normal life. Because had I not, I guess, 
had, had they still started showing up, perhaps maybe my life would have been different or I wouldn't have had a normal, quote-unquote, normal <laughs> uh, childhood or a young adulthood, mm-hmm. teenage years. I think that might have that might have interfered in my path, my life, my soul path of having my children. So, um, I do understand that when my third child, and we had decided that was our last child, when he was young, in the crib, I started to see, you know, these figures in the doorway again. Uh, but this time, it was during the day. It wasn't at night. And then now these figures have voices, and the voices would come into my mind, like as if I heard them in my mind. But I knew what they were saying, and I knew they were not my thoughts. So I am a curious person. I am a Gemini. I question everything that happens around me. And I started an investigation, little by little. I started to take every book out of the library that I could, Back in those days, the internet was not big. We still had encyclopedias, believe it or not. I recall. <laughs> I mean, I do think it was the internet, but I, I don't recall there being much on the internet about this. So I was in my public library, and all the books on this were real, like, uh, you know, very esoteric and ancient material, very mystical, not much of any modern-day psychic, except there was John Edwards. He was out on the scene, and George Anderson. You know, for my town, that's what was familiar to me on Long Island. When you were a child, you obviously were open and telling your sister and, and maybe your parents as well about your experience. But then when it came back as an adult, how were your, I mean, when you have children and then your husband, how did you communicate to them what was going on or did you not? Were you just still in discovery mode at this point, trying to read more about it? Anyone who knows me knows that I am, <laughs> so I think, level-headed, uh, very, you know, black and white. I say it as I see it, and I question everything. So my family knows that about me. And my mom even said to me, if this had happened maybe to someone else that I wasn't too sure was very grounded or level-headed, she said, I don't know that I would fully believe it. She said, but because it happened to you, and I remember what you went through as a little girl, she said, I am totally a believer that these things are real and they can happen. But my mom was much more concerned that it was uh, something of evil. And then I needed to really be careful and use my discernment uh, as to what do these people want and who are they and where are they from. So I totally respected that. I grew up in the church. Uh, my mom sort of moved away from the Catholic church and moved into more of a, a, a Baptist type of a church with a lot of um, mostly just Bible-based church with a lot of um, a focus on Jesus and focus on the Holy Spirit. And so, of course, you follow your mom, right? I was young, and I would go to youth group every week, and I would go to worship every Sunday, and I was really feeling the Spirit move me. I always felt the Spirit, even as a little girl. So this, to me, was not new. And this was very natural, just like leaving. And in the happy medium, I wrote about the fact that although the Bible teaches that we are not to go outside of our senses, our five senses, and connect with anything or any feelings that we, we cannot have a reason or a visual for, I wasn't trying to do these things. They were just coming to me naturally. And I do feel that my, my abilities even got stronger during my time in the church, which I find now I understand the more your heart opens, the more connected you are to your 
you know, divinity and spirit and other realms. That's the direct internet connection to these other dimensions is the heart and the heart opening and bringing the spirit in and giving love and connecting with love and faith. Faith is a big thing, really big thing. And in that, that Bible-based church, we that's all we did was we were taught faith and how, you know, God can move mountains. And so I don't like to really focus on the religious aspect because I really do respect everyone's religion, especially people who were born into their religions and they don't know anything else. But that's not to exclude them because they're, I just want to, at this point in my life, uh, and I am a follower of Jesus Christ and the Christ consciousness, but people who have not heard of Christ, such as, you know, Buddhists and people that have other God-like figures, that is God to them. That is their higher power. And I just like to agree with everyone that there is a higher power. And once we can agree on that, then we're all one and we're all connected to that same higher power. It's not so much about religion, but it is about the higher power that I, I like to talk about and connect with and have people to understand that people that we, we connect to are just people that are fearful, the ones that didn't go to the light, the ones that stood at the foot of my bed. Yeah, and I remember that as a child, just inherently to your point about religion, is that I my mother's Catholic and my father is Methodist. And we didn't really grow up in a religious household per se, more spiritual and open to all religions and ways of thinking. But as a child, it was exactly that, is that I felt a connection to a higher purpose or a higher power, if you want to call it that. And it allowed me to be open to other people's backgrounds and have that curiosity as well. And so I think that is important is whatever resonates with someone in particular and whatever makes them feel connected, or as you mentioned, connected to that love energy and that faith is really what the divine is all about instead of necessarily putting definitions on things, right? Right, right. Well, yeah, then you get it, right? About what the first book's about, it's really about how I learned to embrace my gift as opposed to believing, again, from my church, that it's, it's not a gift and it's from, quote unquote, the devil, and that you are not to embrace your inherent gift, gift of the divine, and this is our birthright, but that you um, more or less need to just follow the Bible. That's what my church taught. Now, I don't dispute that there are so many psalms in the Bible that are so uplifting and so beautiful and inspiring and I would totally still even read these psalms. Uh, I do believe there's a lot of parts of the Bible that are misinterpreted to people's liking, you know, but that's neither here nor there. I don't want to get on the topic of that. But my first book does speak about how I embrace my gifts and learn to use them for the highest good and always use them with everybody's best interest at heart, not just mine. And I, I do think that that's where some people do go wrong, but that's with any belief system, or even if you want to call it a career, because it has become my career, or my life's purpose, my sole purpose. But once you start to use the word I instead of we, then you could get into trouble. And I've seen that with a lot of spiritualists that are around that maybe want people to follow pretty much them and their their ministry. I am a big believer in teaching the man how to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime. And, you know, the way he fishes is his business, you know? It's 
it doesn't mean you have to fish the way I fish, but it's more about learning the, learning how to feed your soul. And the book is also based, it's a two-part book. So a lot of the first part of it is autobiography. And then the second part is has a lot to do with how you too can hone in on your spiritual gifts. And I also share a lot of lessons in the book that I teach in my courses, the the Enchanted Circle is the name of my school. And I teach these actual exercises and lessons in my real life school. So I put those in the book. What are some of those, what are some tips, well, for people obviously to buy and and look at it and and go on their own or take a class, but what are some like day-to-day or daily tips do you offer to people who may be experiencing intuitive or metaphysical things and don't know necessarily what to do with them? Well, I find that a lot of people that are having a spiritual awakening, believe it or not, can can um, start to come down with what they, the best way they know how to interpret their feelings is anxiety. And a lot of the time that spirit trying to tap them on the shoulder and trying to give them a voice. And if you don't channel the outlet or acknowledge what's happening around you, energetically, you already are, if you are very psychic, which so many of us are, everybody is born psychic, but people are waking up to their spiritual gifts like in record numbers now. And a lot of people are not really quite sure what it is they're feeling. So they interpret it as anxiety stress. It can be depression. A lot of psychic people are also empaths uh, or psychic sponges that pick up on other people's emotions, especially in public. So a lot of people who are opening up to their gifts will find themselves on so many days wanting to stay close to home without a lot of stimuli around Mm -hmm. them. They don't like to go into clouds because it makes them anxious. What they may not realize is they're picking up the energy of other people's emotions. So in the book, I teach the bubble meditation. I give a lot of meditation for to bring them into the awareness and to give them um, bring down the stress level. It is a lot of meditation in the book, but there there are also techniques such as the bubble technique that I especially for children who the entities in their room, like I did, uh, for parents who don't know how to help their children. So in the book, a lot speaks about how to help your child, your developing child. And many, many, many children, if not all children right now, are being born with different DNA. They are being born to come here to be light workers. The age of the corporations are falling to the wayside. Many, many children are coming here to create and to make livings out of their gifts. So even if they're artists, they're expressions of their talent and their gifts, that is the way of the future. These new souls coming in, that's why there's so many psychic mediums popping up too. So many people are even leaving their corporate jobs knowing that that's not what they were put on this earth for. So the book really talks about how to work with energy because everything is energy. Even our souls, when they leave our bodies, that's how mediums connect to other realms. Energy cannot be destroyed. It can only change form. So I give a technique in the book called the um, the energy ball. And I have my I teach how you can actually create energy between the palms of your hands and you can 
feel energy and you can actually use this as a technique with your children or your friends where you create the energy ball between your hands by rubbing your hands together, creating the, the you know, the static energy and then opening up the space with your two, the palms of your two hands facing each other. And then what I like to do is even go one step further and tell the person after they made their energy ball, infuse a color with their thoughts into the ball. And if it's, say, the color is green, then I encourage that person to try an experiment and throw the ball to a friend or, or a child or whoever you want to do this experiment with and have them feel where you threw the ball. So, like, focus on a part of their body you want to throw the ball. So if you throw it at their stomach, ask the person who's receiving the energy, where did you feel the energy touch you on your body and what color did you feel or see? Mm. And in my classes, nine times out of 10, the receivers were getting it right. And as a teacher, nothing brings me more joy than to see energy in motion and people interpret the energy. That's my biggest joy is to teach people the language of energy because you know, before we had words on this earth, we didn't need words. Words were created for tribes and cultures and religions. But before words, if you go back to the cavemen, there was a lot of grunting happening, you know, and <laughs> feelings of energy. That's how we communicated when we first put on earth. We didn't have words. And do you feel that nowadays, and, and you mentioned people coming in, or souls coming into this earth plane and they have more, they have different type of DNA to be their gifts, but also that, you know, what's really causing that? Is that because too, we're becoming more evolved spiritually, but also technology is, can be in my mind, a little bit of a distraction as well. Is that a reason? Well, we are leaving the age of Pisces. So if for those people who don't understand astrology, the age of Pisces, believe it or not, and it goes way, you know, way back to the Jesus days, walking the earth, the age of Pisces is the age of lies and cover-ups, okay, and illusions and delusions. We're coming out of the age of Pisces, and we're going into the, we are really on the precipice, right on the brink of the age of Aquarius. Some astrologers say that we are well into the age of Aquarius. Some say we're not quite there yet because we still have a lot of Piscean energy, which is a lot of religious institutions. And it's more like controlling the population, making them believe things that are not real. Even money is an illusion. It's just a, a, a system that was put in place, a belief system, but it's not real. It's just figures that banks, you know, shuffle around. But when you when you think about all the lies and the deception, that a lot of that has to do with religious organizations and government and um, kind of just a lot of set up modalities that made us believe as the congregation or as a society, we believe. Okay, so we believe in these lies, even the, the things they put on the news, a lot of the times it's just made with a lot of subliminal messages. That's the age of Pisces. So as we go into the age of Aquarius, that is the age of peace, oneness, love, but also the age of Aquarius rules the airwaves and technology, you see? So mm. that's why the internet has been created and is being relied on so right now with the age of technology. We are supposed to, if you think about what the internet does, it connects everybody as one. 
right? Right. The World Wide Web. We are all able to connect on this one platform. So the age of Aquarius is really dawning on us now, and we're feeling it, and that's what's allowing for the shift in our consciousness. So any souls that have decided to come here during the age of Aquarius, or even us being here now, we are in the midst of the shift, but we're from the, um, at least I am, I'm from the old paradigm, because I was born in the 60s, and I'm shifting right into the new paradigm. So it's not easy for the adults such as in, in, the, in your, you know, 50 or above to make that transition unless you are understanding what's happening. It's so much easier for the new generation because they don't know our older world. This is all they know. All right. So I say we can learn from them because they're coming in with this knowledge. Their souls have this knowledge. They came in with the upgraded DNA to change the world through the age of Aquarius. So a lot of the cover-ups and the lies that have been really going on for thousands of years, we're going to see a lot of these institutions falling and, you know, people being exposed, things about the government are going to be exposed. That's just the age of Pisces falling apart and the age of Aquarius, which is love, peace, and brotherhood. And there was that song in the 70s, you know, the age of the dawning of the age of Aquarius. We're in it now. And that's why... Our generation can't really understand the younger generation, although I try to understand they are the upgraded model. And what's interesting, and many people don't understand this, when you talk about the Internet and technology, they do come across as lazier, a lazier group of souls. However, they're coming in to teach us work smarter, not harder. Or work smarter, not harder is one thing, especially as I've seen things in my day-to-day work, right? And I'm in, I'm in corporate America is my nine to five. And then on my off hours, I do intuitive um, readings, meditations, things of that self for my for my own self. And now obviously as a host on the show, but ultimately that's what kind of caused me to shift is I have these this newer generation coming into the workforce, seeing how they work and also how technology can help us, but then also hinder us. And just it's what I usually say to my teams is work smarter, not harder. And because of that, it doesn't mean that it has to be, you know, you're just grueling and grinding all the time. It's what is your intention? What do you want to get out of it? How are we going to help people and help others. And it's just finally one thing that I felt, you know, the need to share. So it's amazing you picked up on that. (laughs) Because I say that all the time. That's definitely connected to you and your vibration. But you know, and like everything has a polarity, of course, technology can hinder us everything, you know, in balance. That's my motto is that's why I'm the happy medium, because I believe in balance and anything too much of anything is no good. So you definitely have to find the balance, the middle ground for technology, let it work for you. But uh, yeah, we're totally going into a whole new world, a whole new age. And the old paradigms are totally falling apart. And that's not always easy cause, because people don't like change. They're, they're really rooted in their in their stories and in their routines and in the way they do things. So I do believe that's part of what my mission is. One part of my mission is to let people know that it is okay, you know, and like, you got this and it's okay to change. It's okay to move with the times. I like to break things down into its simplest form so that it's not so technical and hard for people to understand. That's a powerful message to give everyone because I think right now a lot of people are in what I what I'm trying to do is stay in a place of grounding 
And if there's anything on the news or somebody's reacting to something is making sure that, you know, I'm open to all sides, but really embracing the change in a positive way and not being so fearful about what's happening, whether it's technology or on the news or whatever it is, is that it's nice and uplifting to hear that positive things are coming. They're already actually happening. They're manifesting and that the people that are here and coming in as well are truly here to help us get to the next level and embrace what's happening, right? And making sure that our intentions are there. Is that one of the reasons why, because you mentioned part of your mission, you decided to write your soul purpose and learn how to access the light within? Is that just a natural extension? Absolutely. It is a book that my spirit guides impressed upon my heart and they told me is much, much needed right now. And they told me not in five years, not two years, it's needed now. So it was not really the second book that I thought I'd be writing. I really thought I'd be writing a book telling everybody about how to connect better, a whole book on how to become a medium, but also the dangers that are involved in doing energy work and finding balance and not overdoing it. And that probably will be a book I will write. But they put this on my heart a little bit out of order, but I don't believe it is out of order. I believe that. They gave me a platform, which I'm so grateful for, and they said this book has to reach many hearts because of the energy of of what's happening now. And to go back to the whole turning on the news or what's happening around you, a lot of violence, a, a, a lot of things that are, there are so many people that are out of control not knowing how to stay grounded. People are flipping out. They're going They're going off the deep end because they can't handle the upgrade of energy because we are all being upgraded right now. Just like a computer software, mm-hmm. we are being, the grid is being upgraded. So there are many people that are blowing their own fuses and they're flipping out and they're going off the deep end and there's, there's suicides and depression and But a lot of that has to do with not being able to upgrade the energy uh, circuitry. So that's why I am so big on the techniques I write about in my book and learning how to get go inward and knowing that the outward world is definitely going to keep happening whether you're in this world or not in this world. And I think that if not one person can change the world, but one person can change their own universe within Once you change your own universe and stay in your own lane, you affect what's around your little universe. I do encourage people, stay in your lane and just change what you can in your little universe. If everybody does that, we will have a lot of little positive universes happening, (laughs) connecting to, to the whole universe. And that's how change really does happen. Positive change can't look outwardly. We have to totally look inward and we have to teach our children to do the same. And if I could do, I have three children and I love my boys and they're great, but there are a lot of old paradigms that I taught them because that was the paradigm I was in. What would be an example? I'll tell you what an example of that would Mm -hmm. be. You have to go to college. You're never Mm going to make it in the workforce unless you go to college. I probably wouldn't go down that road right now. I would allow them, and I'm not knocking college. You know, my two older boys had no choice. So they're college graduates. By the time my third one, and he's a strong one, and I wrote about him in my book, he teaches me how to be more fearless. Whether I wanted him in college or not, we did try that work with him. And he was very, very insistent that 
that's not why I came here, Mom. I'm, college is not for me. By that time, I totally understood that I have to let that go and let him find his way. And he will because he's one of the more evolved souls. He's the younger of my three boys. So I think he came in in, in the age where he came to upgrade. And maybe he came to upgrade the family or his own little universe. <laughs> but I wouldn't push that anymore. I would push more, go within what makes your heart sing. It doesn't have to be college. It could be, what are your gifts? What makes you happy? What gifts did you come here with that can actually change your world and then it, in effect change other people's world? Uh, that's what I would change. That's one of the biggest things I would change. I would definitely encourage or discourage any type of fear in my household. Um, I would change the way we ate, the foods we ate. I would change that. But I didn't know. So I can't beat myself up for what I didn't know then. But I do know now. And it's it's amazing so. that you bring that the two messages in there. So you mentioned that if everyone just focused inward and on themselves and making themselves a better person or a better human being or spiritual being, whatever that looks like, then the world would be a much better place. And I truly, truly believe that. And also I think it's important because in this day and age, right, as we're changing with new technologies or also being awakened to our soul purpose, the fact is, is, I mean, I even have to check myself half the time. You talk about anxiety or stress. I'm Googling, okay, why do I feel stressed? Why do I feel anxious. And the fact of the matter is, is I'm my own Google, I'm my own, my own internet, I can look within and it's like, and my guides are kind of just slapping me on the head saying, silly, listen, here's what you need to do. You need to look inward. I keep getting that message as well. And I think sometimes it's easier for people to look outward for a reason. Oh, it's, it's this, it's my job. It's this situation. But in reality, if you just take a moment to be with yourself and in tuned and listen, then the answers already lie within. Oh, absolutely. Well, for me, looking within is when something triggers me personally, that's me looking within. Okay, why did I get triggered by that statement or by what I just saw or whatever it may be? The triggers are a hint to what it is you're not working through or you're you're still holding on to. So that's a hint. I feel like that's something the audience can take away as a lesson to look at why you are triggered by certain things and go back to its original source if you are able to. And I think most people are able to. They just don't want to because it can be painful. You know, but childhood, trauma, young adult, any type of trauma, we're holding on to it. And this, with this upgrade and this shift of raising our vibrations, it's like when you boil a pot of soup, all the stuff has to rise to the top. You know, when you're boiling chicken soup, right? All the gunk mm-hmm. kind of stays on the top as it's boiling up and it's rising up. And then you have to scoop that off and just not take it with you as you go higher. So I find that that's what's happening now. A lot of people, stuff that they've been burying or suppressing is coming to the surface now. It's supposed to. It needs to be released and we're shedding our skin. We're shedding our emotions. We have to get rid of the old paradigm. So that even goes back to old timelines. Again, I speak about reincarnation. Which again, energy cannot be created or destroyed. So of course we continue with our energetic bodies, our energetic souls into different timelines. So this timeline, I'm Kim Russo in, you know, this, this day and age of where I am now in my physical form, 
but I'm sure, I know I was on other timelines uh, at other times. And, and there's also, and I won't get too complicated, but there's also parallel lives that are happening at the same time and other versions of, of us, but I don't focus on them. I focus on what you, it's hard enough just containing your own physical being in, in the timeline you're in. But if you just one day at a time, one minute at a time, I think the internet makes us anxious because especially social media, we look at and we compare ourselves and we look, I wrote about this in your full purpose. We look at the perfectionism that people are portraying on the internet, which is nothing but a, an illusion. It's not real. You can make anything look as perfect as as you want it to be with all the filters of the apps they have and um, all the captions you can write. Nobody knows that you might have just had a meltdown five minutes ago. You right. can just pose up for a selfie. And some of the online social media influencers are doing now where it's they post a photo of real life and then they show their social media life. And I find that refreshing because it actually does show us that no one's perfect. No one's lives are perfect. We all go through our things and it doesn't necessarily matter. Like just using it and being your authentic self, I think is the biggest thing as well. But it's a very important point that you bring up. And I think one of the other things, I mean, I did this a lot growing up and I'm sure you probably get a lot of people that come to you or read your books and also come to your classes asking this question, like, what is my destiny in life? What is my sole purpose? Right. And that's why you wrote the book. And what are some of the, the things can you give us some teasers of what to expect in the book or what we could do on maybe a day-to-day -day or an exercise that we could we could try out to identify what our sole purpose is? A day-to-day? -day? Yeah, day-to-day. -day. You know, I know it's a big question, which is why there's a, a book about it. It's called The Soul Kit. And um, there, is, there are quite a few of them throughout the book, but there's, there's definitely one of my favorites. And, and what I find from the feedback from many people was the most difficult to answer is a soul kit called who are you mm. because we never really take the time to accept we're always looking at the other person we're judging the other person and we project ourselves onto the other person uh to our own wounds so in this soul kit who are you that is what it's called there are a, a, a bunch of questions that i i list such as such as who are you in the middle of the night or, and then the next question would be, are you the same person when you wake up in the middle of the night as you are the person at work? Hmm. Are you the same person that you are at home as you are when you're out with your friends? Because it's human nature for us to create these masks that we wear in public, especially if you came from a household where there were a lot of secrets. Uh, and things where you, you know, such as families with alcoholics or parents without, you know, children of alcoholism or a bunch of other kind of secrets. Children always want to be like everyone else. They, they start out very young in life portraying my life's just like yours, you know. But in doing that, you have to put on an act, wear a mask, and make believe. So a lot of it's make believe. So you create these middle of the night cells or work cells or social cells. But I would say the middle of the night self is the real you mm. because there's no one around you need to impress or make believe. It's, it's just you, yourself, and you. So I would say that's the most authentic self is the middle of the night self because it's you're laying there with your feelings, your thoughts, and you can't lie to yourself. So the, ch the chapter of who are you and, and answering those questions, also I give some examples such as 
an airport scenario where you're at the counter and you're on your way to going to your sister's wedding in California and all planes are grounded and you can't get there and you're going to miss your sister's wedding, what do you do? How do you react? I mean, I've learned a long time ago. <laughs> I would try everything in my power to get on, a, you know, to get there. But then when you push fate or destiny, that is the universe telling you, they put, you're not supposed to be there. Even though that doesn't sound right, you should be at your sister's wedding. But when all else fails and the universe is keeping you in your place and is sending you a message that there is no way on God's good earth that you're getting to California, I have learned, me personally, to surrender. The moment you said that, and I pictured myself, okay, if I was at the airport and this happened to me, my old self totally would have been talking to people, looking online, seeing other flights, all of that, what you just said, right? Is there a private jet? Not, Or do I have a friend that has one? Not that I do. But that said, the other part of me now would just be like, okay, well, I can't fight this, right? It's supposed to be what it is supposed to be. And I, I think that's a really hard thing sometimes for people to process and to get there. Yeah, it's about not having control. But can you imagine how many people on that line would be fighting and cursing mm-hmm. and screaming and jumping up and down? Yeah. When I see those people now, well, first of all, I was never one of those those people. I I I just wasn't. I'm not saying I was always, uh, you know, enlightened. I probably would do what you just said, like dig deep to the resources and remember what I said. I was always faithful, so I would just pray about it. I still do that though. But anything that's not in your control, you have to surrender it and and trust that there is something behind the scenes that knows better than you. But I have seen people try to control destiny in this situation. I'm actually going through this right now with a friend. And I'm sitting back trying to be so loving, but watching her hit a brick wall going 90 at every turn. Because clearly the universe is telling her that whatever this thing is she's trying to do is not for her. But she's trying to force this. <laughs> Every which way, and I'm watching, there's roadblocks everywhere. Now, until she comes to me for advice, I will not tell her mm-hmm. because I don't want to burst her bubble. And she will get angry at me because I know <laughs> she believes this is what she wants desperately. And she believes she's trying to make it happen. But I'm looking back saying, God's saying no right now. That's a good point you bring up, though, too. What do we do when, because I I find myself, one, I'm a very opinionated person. And so when people, even if they're coming to me and not asking for advice, I find myself trying to bite my tongue and just say, okay, and holding myself from giving my opinion or what I I think, right, or what I'm being led. Is there any advice that you would give people that may be going through the same thing about whether it's their children or their friends or a family member that they just need to trust in the process and let the person figure it out on their own? Well, this is what I have found to be very helpful. Um, I will gingerly plant seeds, such as, and I have said to this friend, because every day when they call me and tell me about their new roadblock, they always will back up their statement with, but I know this is meant to be, so I'm not giving up. So that's almost like them saying, I know it's not meant to be, but they're saying, but I know this is meant to be. But everything energetically is telling you otherwise. So what I have learned to do is gingerly plant seeds, such as, well, did it ever occur to you that perhaps this is not meant to be right at this moment? Because Mm -hmm. a lot of roadblocks are happening. Now, I will wait and see what their response is. If they get all defensive, at least I know I planted the seed. 
and let the seed grow within them or let them grow their own seed that's wreaking havoc. So to me, that's what I've learned to do. You really have to see what the response is from the person. If the person is very receptive and they say, gee, I never thought of that. That's a great point. Then you have a captive audience and maybe that seed will germinate and grow even bigger and maybe you can help them see what you see. But if not, and they resist it, that's their free will. That's their path. They have to learn a little bit of a harder way. But planting seeds is no harm, no foul. I don't believe in pushing your your views on other people because, again, it really depends on how receptive they are. You know, in doing the work that we do, such as intuitive counselors, we are used to people coming to us to give them our insight. Correct. But family members and friends, you know, they don't always pay us for that. And I don't mean pay such as a monastery. They're not always looking for our advice. And that's okay, too. But I find that people that come to us for it uh, with complaints on some level are looking for us to chime in, don't you? Yes, I do. And I've learned as well that now when a friend comes and asks me, I say, and they know about my abilities or whatever, I, I truly am just up front and say, would you like my advice? Or do you, is this just now a listening moment for you? Like that you want to, you need to decompress, you need to vent, you need to let things kind of go off and, and just so you can process it. And so now when they come to me first, it's like, I don't need your advice right now. I just need you to listen. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> you know, I have some friends that will tell me their stories and then they will say, am I wrong? <laughs> so how do you answer that? Like they just want to be validated, but I'm not always in agreement with, with what their views are. So to say, am I wrong? I'm not going to lie. You're asking me straight out for feeling this way. No, you're never wrong for, for feeling, feeling right. Feel. Exactly. Never. You can never be wrong for your feelings. But I can also see the other person's point of view too. See, we have that ability and I could see both people's points. But sometimes when they're your friends, they want you to see only their point. That's a little bit difficult because mediums, we see everybody's point. So we have the crystal ball, so to speak. So if that's the case, then you don't come to the crystal ball asking to look in the mirror. Yeah. You want the truth? Right. I'll tell you what I'm seeing, but don't get mad at me because I will never lie. That's me, like integrity wise. Some people will tell people what they want to hear, but I think it's just a code of ethics in what we do. It's not, the information doesn't come from us. So there would be no point in lying. But like you said, advice is Kim. Or insight as a medium, right? Kim has her own views, right? And so does Nicole. You have your own views. Yeah. And there have been times where my own views and my own opinion have totally been the opposite of what I'm receiving from that person's guides and angels or my guides and angels. And I'm like, huh, really? So it's insightful for me too to get that information because to your point earlier about the paradigm shifts, I think that we have these judgments and these beliefs in the back of our mind of how we've grown up and experienced life. And then also as we're changing ourselves, you know, I think that that's something to keep in mind as we're moving forward and, and to step out of our own way and step out of the ego. But oh my gosh, it's been amazing. I, I realize we're almost at time. So I wanted to ask you before we break, what is the number one thing you'd like people to take away from our conversation today? What, what is what I hope they take away? Yeah, what's the number one thing you'd like people to take away from our conversation today? Well, basically what you just ended off saying is when you live in the ego, the ego will lie to you and keep you in fear. So my biggest message, mostly in the book, Your Soul Purpose and in Your Happy Medium is we were not really meant to live out of the lower chakras of our body in the lower planes where the ego resides. 
we were always meant to live in our heart. And that's the message is if you follow your heart, it knows the way. So that really can lend itself to any problem you have on this planet, you know, such as what do I do? I don't know my next move. Well, your heart does know. Or when we lose a loved one, knowing that our hearts can never, ever be disconnected through physical death and the hearts will always be joined together through love. I really believe living in your heart solves every single problem there is, even health conditions, because the, the heart chakra is the strongest, even stronger than the brain. They've proved, scientists have proven the heart chakra is everything and then some, and this is where we were meant to kind of give and receive from. So the book, Your Soul Purpose, really shows you how to get into the vibration of your heart. And that's when miracles start to happen, when you live through the heart chakra. Not easy to place to get to, but the book does help you get there. That's just wonderful. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your journey with us, Kim. And you are certainly welcome back anytime. Just let me know. And if anyone is interested in getting more information about Kim, her website, kimthehappymedium.com, Or you can also pick up one of her books that we talked about, The Happy Medium, or Your Soul Purpose, Learn How to Access the Light Within. And I'm certainly going to be up late nights reading it and trying to connect with who am I in the middle of the night. So again, thank you so much, Kim, and uh, look forward to speaking with you again. All right. Take care. Recapping this episode of A Psychic Story. One, it doesn't matter what religion you practice or believe in. What ultimately matters is that there is a higher power, however we may define it. When we all agree that there is a higher power, we all become one and are connected. Two, the more your heart opens, the more connected you become to your intuitive abilities. Three, when asking for divine guidance for yourself or others, ask for what is good for you and their best and highest good. Four, energy cannot be destroyed. It can only change form. Five, try the energy ball technique. Rub your hands together to create static energy. Open up the base with your two palms facing each other. Infuse a color into the ball with your thoughts. Toss the energy ball to someone and have them feel it. Ask where they felt the energy and what color did they feel or see. Six, we are all being upgraded energy-wise via the earth grid, just like a computer software. To stay grounded and balanced during this process, go inward. The outward world will continue to happen and change. One person cannot change the world, but one person can change their own world within themselves. That is how positive change happens on a larger scale. Seven, when something triggers us, it is a hint that there is something you haven't worked through. Go back to the original source. Release the old paradigms and thought patterns in order to move forward. Eight, take time to answer the question, who are you? Who are you in the middle of the night? Are you the same person you are when you wake up, at home, at work, with friends, with family? Nine, if something is not in your control, surrender and trust and know that there is something happening behind the scenes that knows better than you. And 10, when you live in the ego, the ego will lie to you and keep you in fear. We were not meant to live in lower vibrations. We were and always were meant to live in our hearts. If you follow your heart, it knows the way. Thank you for listening to A Psychic Story. Please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All episodes are free on your favorite podcast player or at a psychicstory.com.